listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, and I'm your host, Jess Connolly. On each episode, I'll have a guest who will give us a peek into what it looks like for her to run on mission in her everyday life. Our prayer is that it leaves you encouraged and spurred on to go and tell the good news right where you're at. In the fall of 2000, I was a 16-year-old girl in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I had been a believer in Jesus for about a year. And my family decided to begin going to a different church, and it was our very first Sunday. And this church was known for having a really large youth ministry, and so I was excited because this meant I might meet some new people, meet some new friends, but I was also a little scared. And I walked into the church's youth ministry room on a Sunday morning, and I saw this boy. (laughs) And he was wearing a monochromatic baby blue outfit, a light blue long sleeve button-down shirt with a light blue sweater vest. And I don't remember what kind of pants, probably some khaki something. And I thought, that boy is so cute. (laughs) And yeah, that was 18 years ago. And I don't know how, but I somehow, about a year later, tricked that boy into liking me and dating me. And I've somehow tricked him into spending the rest of his life with me. I knew really early on that Nick Connolly was called to a life of mission. I knew really early on that I was called to a life of mission. And I had a lot of different ideas about what our life would look like. I couldn't have told you it would involve so many children. I definitely couldn't have told you it would involve living in Charleston. I don't even know that I knew it was going to be in the church and I would have guaranteed that we wouldn't be running our own church or doing any of this together, but God's grace has been good to us and we have lived through some really rough years and some really rough times and we have done some really constructive fighting and arguing and storming and come out on the other end. And I know that we have got some incredible years ahead of us, and I know that we've got mountains to climb and battles to face that we couldn't even imagine. But I am so incredibly grateful to be standing by his side. And so it is my absolute joy to present this episode of the Go and Tell Gals podcast to you with my favorite human that has ever been born, (laughs) Nick Connolly. Thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Are you scared? Uh, no, because I think if we were in a room with all of your listeners, then it'd be like, okay, the heat is on. Right. It's just you and me. It's just you and me. And all of our friends. Sipping our coffee. Sipping the coffee. Yeah, we're happy. (laughs) Okay, well, if you're listening to this episode of the Go and Tell Gals podcast, we're so thankful you're here. Hey, if we have some men listeners, now let's be honest, I've heard that we have some men listeners Hello. In general. I mean, I listen. 
Yeah, you listen yeah. to every episode. I, I'm not I'm not through every episode, but I have listened to most of them. Okay, so we have Getting a few there. men anyway. So I don't I don't want you guys to feel insecure if you were already listening. It's okay. It's all right. But this is a special episode. We're putting it out the week of Thanksgiving and hoping that it's available for you guys. It will be available for you guys throughout the whole holiday season. So if you're traveling and riding with your significant other and you're like, oh, I, re- I love this podcast, but it's just for girls. Here's an episode that is not just for girls. Also, Nick Connolly, my husband and my pastor, is our most requested guest on the podcast. So everyone's always asking for you to be on. I'm thankful you're here. And we're going to take it in three parts. So let's do it. This is an extra long episode. You can come back. You can listen. You can start. You can stop. But this first part is going to be a little bit of our story. I'm going to have you kind of share our story meeting. Not like, you know, how you fell in love with me because that's a long story. It all started when I was born. (laughs) But um, about us and ministry and mission and Oh, wow. Yeah. What 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 was that like? And I'll interject because that's what I do in life. (laughs) Especially on the podcast. So I this is I feel I feel very awkward in doing this because I feel like you're the storyteller of the fam. But I think when it comes to us in ministry together and separately, when we met in high school and even early on in college, we just had a heart for ministry. We had a heart for the church. We had a heart for his work, especially through the local church. And so whether it was us together or us separate, we always knew that this was kind of the trajectory for us in ministry. As we became one, we really have taken it in seasons. There were, I mean, seasons when you were working in anthropology and moving fastly up the anthro ladder. And there were seasons where I was plugging away in a church plant. But then there were seasons where you were with the kids and I was remodeling houses, but then we were serving the church. There's been seasons where we have done women's conferences, Influence Network, bringing it back. There's been seasons where you have written multiple books, you have been traveling and speaking, and then we have the local church here. And so I feel like we have done every season, not every season, we've done a lot of seasons over time. Yeah, we've, we've done like you work, I work, we've done I work, you know, we just, we've done a lot of combos. Oh yeah. Tell people, because here's the thing, I've never interviewed myself on the podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> tell people a little bit what our like day-to-day life looks like right now and what oh, your wow. life looks like right now. Our day-to-day life. I feel like we are still in a season where it's probably 50 to 75% normal rhythms and then anywhere from 50 to another 25% of surprise. Or I, would, I would say chaos. Chaos. Pure, pure chaos. Chaos. That's a good <laughs> word for it. Some people call it surprise. Some people call it yeah, chaos. I like, I like surprise. You're, you're better. You're better okay. I, I mean, I'm literally sitting here looking at our family calendar and I'm like, oh, wow, that's a lot of dry erase goodness up there because there's just a lot going on right now. And, you know, we're ending the year. And so that's a, a good thing. That means there's a, what is it, a Proverbs 14, 
four or mm-hmm. fourteen fourteen I where there 14-4. where there is much poop in the stable from your oxen, that's like a good thing because that means God has blessed you with oxen. Mm-hmm. And so right now there's a lot of poop in the stable. Right. You know, weekly we're we're balancing you being able to do what you do for all good things, you being able to do what you do for go and tell gals, and then also you doing what you do for Bright City. And then for me right now, just even balancing Bright City in the midst of kind of being the only staff person that is working. We have so many people that pour their lives out, but at the end of the day, it's me and Deacon. And by Deacon, I don't mean (laughs) a Deacon that we have at the church. I mean, Deacon, our dog. Our dog. So it's, you know, it is a season where it's just kind of like, all right, Lord, what do you want to do today? How do you want to do it? And okay, that was today. Now let's move to the next day. And there are some things that are on the calendar that's like, oh, okay, we're doing this. And last night we had a Monday night service again, something that we're kicking off new as a church. It's a new rhythm. And so we're still trying to figure that out and and work through it. And this is, let's say, honest words, this is a tough season. (laughs) Tough season. We are coming out of a tough season. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Yeah, this has been a really this has been a really hard one for the church and for you and you've really really yeah. really persevered. Well, <laughs> you have. I I think I was listening to Erwin McManus one time and if you don't listen to Erwin, there's some good Erwin stuff out there. But Erwin was talking about how people approach him and they're like, "Oh man, how do you do this and how do you do that and did you ever see that you would be this guy that's leading into the future of the church and would you ever be this person that 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 was speaking did you ever know that you would travel and speak and i mean he's preaching in several different languages and he's going all over the world and he like just all of a sudden just started dying laughing and he was like man i there is nothing compelling about what i'm doing i just happened to be the last person standing like i just happened to be the person that didn't give up i just happened to be the person that just didn't say no. And so I think a lot of what I'm learning in ministry is like, man, if you just keep going, that is 99% of the battle. Because if you keep going, that means Christ in you keeps going. If you keep going, it means the Holy Spirit is still able to work in and through you in whatever season he has for you. And so if it is a hard season, which has been a hard season for us, it's like, man, we have to keep going. We have to keep pushing forward because the one who calls us is faithful and he will do it which I think is First um, Thessalonians 5.24 for anyone keeping score. Like it's him doing the work. And if Jesus hasn't come back yet, then he's not done with us. And so I feel like, especially when it comes to calling, it's not mine to quit. Like yeah. the calling is always his. It's That's always good. like he gave it to me. And because he gave it to me and it's not mine, I can't quit the calling that he gave me. And so it feels almost like a stewardship issue. And so I know that for this season, it has looked a little more where we, we have been tired and we have been discouraged and we feel a little more beaten down, feel like we're pushing a square box up a hill. Like it mm-hmm. feels like that. Actually, we did we, that today we, with our we trainer. We know what pushing square boxes <laughs> oh, is like. Oh, that was horrible. We, we just did that. Oh, America. so bad. So bad. Um, and so it feels a little bit like that. But the beautiful thing in that is sometimes the task is simply just to not quit. Yeah. Okay, a few things I want to capture from that. Number one, a few months ago, you looked at me and you said, I just want to be the guy that didn't quit. And I actually ended up posting about it on Instagram. I don't know if you remember that. And I, I said back to you, then I just want to be the girl standing beside the guy that didn't quit. 
But that sounds pretty on Instagram. And what maybe... So flowery. (laughs) It sounds so flowery. What maybe you can't infer if you don't hear our voices, which now you get to, is that means we considered quitting. Oh, yeah. It's on the table. Yeah. (laughs) When uh, When we first started the church, we were doing a monthly ramp up. And I feel like at the time, I mean, this was five years ago. And I feel like at the time, I didn't know too many people that were meeting monthly to go into weekly. Yeah. And now I think it is a a common thing where you're you're kind of having these pre-launch parties or, or whatever you want to call them and when we were meeting monthly part of the reason we were meeting monthly was not because we wanted to build momentum or not because we were like oh my gosh if you if you launch and then you you leave them wanting more they'll want to come back it wasn't anything like that it was because we literally did not have the pieces in play to right. do the very thing that we knew God had called us to do, but we knew that we were step by step with him in a manna season and we didn't have it today, but we knew we would have it tomorrow, but he did give us whatever we needed for today. And I remember, uh, I think it was a Saturday where Elaine in bed just had woken up Yeah. and this is so, so this is officially before the church has launched yeah. every week. <laughs> I wanted to quit before we started yeah. is essentially what I'm saying. Yeah. We just did not have a worship leader and I was just feeling the oh man this this feels like the end of the world and the truth is and was is it wasn't the end of the world but it was just in that moment it was like man what are we doing we don't even have what we need to do the very thing that God's called us to do and I don't know if you remember this but we actually ended up instead of having worship through music we responded uh, do I remember <laughs> Sometimes you sometimes you just want to block I, things I, out. I really appreciate that you think I would have forgotten that. That is true. You don't forget anything. Yeah. But that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> um, but we ended up, uh, I would preach and we would respond in community and we would literally talk about what was said and then we would talk about how we were going to put it in practice. Yeah. And looking back, it was not a big deal at all. But for us, it was like, oh man, what are we doing? And I just remember that Saturday, just wanting to quit. And if you ever talk to some of our early Bright City, when it was actually called Gospel Community People, out of nowhere, they'll start talking about the old days. And they're like, oh man, do you remember when we responded in community and we did that thing where you preached and we just got to talk about what was happening and we got to pray? Man, those are some of the best days ever. They loved it. And then you're dying on the inside laughing because it wasn't out of a like, hey, this would be a good idea. It was out of the like, hey, we we have have a worship leader. We have no other ideas. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We tried so hard hard to pitch it as like isn't this cool I don't know if there was any pitching I think I tried I think I tried you know I'm I'm a a marketing girl so I I wear I wear everything (laughs) on my face yeah but it's true people there were so many people who loved that season in our church and thought it was so beautiful and we were like oh it's really weird we didn't have worship okay I want to capture that so I mean like well capturing that is that I tried to quit before we started you did you did that well that was I would say we have been leading the church for five years yeah I would say there have been three really bad days and that was the first really bad day yeah where I remember you said like can we quit I think you <laughs> asked me like can we not do it and I for whatever reason thankfully here's God's grace right maybe whether you're in church ministry or not if you guys are listening to this and you're a married couple or if you one day want to get married what is often really helpful is that often the Lord will arrange it so that you know 
one of us will be weak when the other one is really mm-hmm. strong. And yeah. I actually tend to be, in general, the weaker human. Oh, no way. <laughs> Okay. When it comes to quitting, I I consider quitting a lot. I mean, pretty and I and I consider quitting everything. This is true. This is not a joke. Like really, truly, you know what I'm saying? I yeah. mean, I don't want to quit motherhood. Like, yeah, I don't want to quit marriage. I very often consider quitting everything that I start just because it, when it gets hard, that's my personality. I think like and done. But by God's grace, I would say your three darkest days that I can actually remember now, like with very, with a lot of clarity. Mm -hmm. I feel like your three darkest days, the Lord has let something rise up in me where I said (laughs) like, you are not quitting. Yeah. Uh, No, that's only God's grace. Yeah. But I I say all that to say like quitting is on the table, not meaning like it feels like an option for us because it really doesn't. Like Mm -hmm. we're not going to quit the church, but when something is hard and it's costing you so much, I think there are so many people who really doubt their calling because quitting feels like an option. And so I feel like it's so vulnerable and helpful for you to come and say like, do I want to quit? Yes. Am I going to? No. Oh, yeah. Because people just act like there's this like fearless, tenacious sense that like once you're called faith. to something. Yeah. But faith is actually very often like going scared, going broken. Oh, man. Yeah. So the most recent book I wrote, I just turned in the manuscript and I haven't been able to share the name of that book yet, but I'll, I'll, I'll be sharing that soon. But I was writing it during this really rough season for us and you were really helpful for me in that and I'm so grateful, but it ended up being the message I most needed to hear myself and that was really helpful. But near the end of the book, I don't know if you remember this, I, I was kind of feeling like lost on words and came to you and just asked for the permis- permission to be really honest about where we were at. Mm-hmm. And um, what I felt like I needed to say in the book was there's a lot about writing a book and leading a podcast and even doing what I do, traveling to, to go teach, mm-hmm. that feels very much like this stage season of life. Like, yeah. I'm on the stage, isn't it shiny? I must have made it somehow. And really, you and I are in quite a like shadow season mm-hmm. of life. Like, if you imagine a concert, you know, there's the stage where it's like you're performing, you're excelling, you're doing what you were made to do. And then there's like the backstage where like you're preparing and you're learning and you're resting up and you're getting what you need to perform. And I said in the book, I feel like you and I are kind of more like huddled in the shadows of the backstage. <laughs> we're in the corner. <laughs> we're like just kind of huddled down. Yeah. Like maybe we just got done vomiting. Oh, <laughs> slurping coffee but truly God has been very mighty in the shadows and so anyhow it's interesting I just got edits back from that book my editor has been reading it and I just got to the part where I really started to say like hey we're in the shadow season of our life and here's what it looks like and I want to just put some light on that and she actually said like are you sure you want to be so honest because (laughs) it may be really discouraging for some of your church leaders to know that you considered quitting Oh my gosh, no. Yeah, so I just, I mean, (laughs) thankfully we have really good leaders. We're not freaked out when we say that. And also, I feel like, right, it helps that like when you're sitting with us, it's different when you're reading a book, but when you're sitting Mm -hmm. with us, you can see the tenacity in our eyes. You know, like we're not going anywhere. This is our city. Like what drives us is our love for the people of our city. And so we're not going to quit on them. We're not right. Exactly. Like you said, the calling is not ours to quit. Mm -hmm. But I just think it really helps to bring that into the light. And so... I think uh, Instagram does like, uh, I, I mean, I love Instagram and Instagram is amazing and I love the life that it, it brings. It's such a lovely, beautiful 
inspiring platform, but I think a lot of times it gives us the impression that everyone's doing great and when you're in your sweet spot, things are really easy and things are really beautiful and things are really right and, and it all is working together. And I'm sure that one day there will be seasons where things are clicking here and there, but I, I really do feel like if leaders are really honest, if people are really honest, quitting is never on the table, but it's always the thing that we have to fight through because right. it is it is one of the things where I mean, that's the defining line. Like we sit in, some of us will sit in church every week and we hear like, oh my gosh, like here's the option. Here's the fork in the road. It's either flesh or his power. And I think that that's the deal is, is you're literally trucking through life and you can wake up one day and you can say, all right, I'm going to walk in the flesh and I'm going to quit or I'm going to walk in his power and I'm going to want to quit, but I'm going to see his power rise up in me and do great things in and through me. And I think that that is the real honest thing. And even going back to your book and like what you said about that, Craig Rochelle, his podcast is a leadership podcast. And it's, I think it is for like church and leaders, but one of the things he says at the end of every podcast is I think people would rather follow a leader who's always real than a leader who's always right. And I just think that that is where we have to get in the church is like, man, we need to be people who are real. And that is where our leadership comes from. And that's where our serving comes from. And that doesn't mean that we get to like be negative all the time. And it doesn't mean that we get to sit in ashes and wallow like an Old Testament prophet or something. Right. But it does mean that we get to say real things. And I love that the Bible says real things. And it's always accompanied with some sort of but like this is how I feel but this is what I know this is what I'm doing but this is what I know that he's going to do and I just think we have to live life in such a way I was uh, reading I think it was Psalm 121 this morning and uh, David was like talking about him looking over to the mountains and he's like, I look to the mountains. And then he asked the question, like, where is my help going to come from? And I think as a leader, I was reading that. And, and you sometimes have your eyes on the horizon. You're like, okay, we've got this group of people and we've got people who are doing an amazing job and they're pouring their lives out. Uh, where is like more help going to come from? Because I really feel for them and want more for them. And so you're looking out to the horizon. You're like, all right, Lord, where is the help coming from? Where is the help coming from? And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, David says, my help help comes from the Lord. And so it's just this idea that the help doesn't come from the mountains. It doesn't come from over the mountains. It comes from the one who made the mountains. And I just think that that is how we have to lead and function in life is like, man, we are going to feel and say real things, but it's always followed by the right thing. And that's truth. And that's what God wants to say to us in those moments. Like, Hey, this is a real feeling that you have, but do you know what's right? Do you know what's true? Do you know what's noble? Do you know what's the real thing that's, that's going to proceed out of this? And I think we just have to be able to lead from that place. Okay, that's so good. I'm going to end this one section with like a spitfire. Let's see if you and I can give some really quick tips of how we encouraged each other mm. on those incredibly dark days. I mean, we've had a rough year. But in general, we've had really rough years before that. We've walked through a miscarriage and kids in the hospital mm -hmm. and poverty. And so, like, quick tips. How did you love me well? Or maybe we should no, flip, flip it. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I should just say how you loved me well. Yeah. 
in those times. And I would really love to hear if I have ever <laughs> loved you well. Uh, we're going to save that for later. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'll go first. Go for it. What I think. Anytime you have pointed me back to God's word has helped. And I would say exactly what you just said. When you let me feel, when you've not tried to convince me not to feel, I don't think it's ever helpful when we use God's word as a weapon to like subdue someone's feelings or try to fix them or try to fix them. But when you've like honored, like that stinks, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you feel that way. Mm -hmm. And then have given me God's word. This is incredibly practical and maybe very intimate, but like literally there have been times in our marriage and again, on like darkest, darkest days where I feel like you have like put me to bed, like praying for me, Mm. like just kind of tucked me in and (laughs) (laughs) I do, I, I do ask you to tuck me in yeah most nights yeah you don't tuck her i have like a sheet (laughs) homegirl's got like five blankets i do i use all the blankets and he uses one sheet but i i do ask that you would like place them nicely on me before you fall asleep you don't you put pillows on you i do i put pillows physically on top of me to sleep and that has really helped there have been many seasons in our life where you've just sent me away just said like go to Starbucks for two hours I don't care what you do I don't care I don't care if you write I don't care if you pray I don't care if you cry just get out of here not that this was like my doing like oh my gosh you get to go do this but um like when you were in that little last stretch of the book yeah you went to Target and bought like a blanket oh 100% yeah there was like a few little things like that that kind of got you over to yeah I said like right can I go to Target and just spend like an (laughs) undisclosed amount of money being like $50. Four hours later. <laughs> it wasn't like $300. No. It was like $50. But I was like, I just need a blanket and like a new mug, something to get me through the end of this book. That was a new mug. I remember yeah. that, yeah. I would say not questioning my desire to go to counseling mm. has been a huge win and just telling me like, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out the finances. You've done that yeah. in multiple seasons in our life and that's really helped a ton. It's my turn. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I feel like you're always and I mean, this is not a shocker, but you always lead with words. And I am not a words person, but I think just in the season of ministry that I'm in now is like, there are very few words. Like Mm -hmm. I'm the one that gives the words for other people. Yeah. And that's my job. And, and so there's very few times where people have given me words Yeah. and people do. It's not like nobody's encouraging me and my life's horrible, but I just think the words are few coming this way and the words are many coming from my way. And I know that's like totally a part of leadership, but one of the functions is the church is that the words flow both ways. And so I feel like you do give good and timely words of encouragement. And then I think the other big one that has just been amazingly helpful is like in this season, you have just owned the date night aspect. Mm -hmm. In a perfect world, I would love to be the one that's like scheduling the babysitters and like, okay, what are we doing? How are we doing it? Where are we going? What are we gonna do? And it has been like the piecing of you finding someone or if I can find someone or if we're going here or we're going and doing that. And I feel like there has just been like a good grace in that from you for us. And it doesn't mean that that's how it needs to be every time. Yeah. But in this season, it's like, man, the win is not the like perfectly planned date night, but the win is like, did we get out of the house for a little bit together and come back together? Which is always key. (laughs) (laughs) Do we come home together? Where's mom? I I don't know. She (laughs) left. Um, I want to pause there and I'm not to like toot my own horn at all in the slightest. But (laughs) I want to say what I don't think a lot of women would say is that I like to be pursued. 
And oh, that yeah. is a thing for me. Yeah. I mean, and I feel like in this season, there have been times when I've been like, I really wish you would plan the date night. And then I realized like, he does not have an in him. He like actually doesn't. And God's graced me with a mind to think three steps ahead on the calendar. Like I'm always thinking about oh the calendar. Gosh, yeah. And so I know that we only have this one night or that kind of thing. And so I feel like it has been a choice to say like, I know that you pursue me and I know that this is not a season where you can pursue me by mm. planning the perfect date. And so sometimes husbands, wives, we really genuinely have to let each other off the hook. But to turn that background on you, I wanted to say one more thing that has really blessed me that nobody knows about you is that in this really rough season for the church, you have really dug into our family mm. and I've seen you like choose to not be discouraged and you've said it all the time. One time you texted me and I said, hey, babe, I'm so sorry. I can't get the kids from school today. And it was a really rough day for you, I remember. And you said, I want you to know in this hard season, like one huge gift has been that I've had more time to spend with you guys. Mm-hmm. And so where you could see yourself as like lonely or not having a staff or you've just seen it as like a great time to pour into us. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. in effect, our family has experienced revival. Yeah. I mean, I think... Our kids are not very old. Like I know people in our lives that have kids who are older and have kids who have moved on. But I just feel like every day I'm reminded with how quickly this time is passing by. And just like, oh man, like we just have a vapor left with Elias. We have a vapor left with Glory. We have a vapor left with with all of them. And I don't want them to leave our house hating the church some of the most beautiful movements that I respect are movements, big, small, whatever it looks like, where the kids are still hanging out around church. Maybe they don't go to the church that their parents go to, or maybe they're not involved in it, but man, they just love being refreshed by it. They love coming back to it, no matter what it looks like, no matter how it looks. And so I think, of course, like I want the relationship to be good with us, but man, I want them to love Jesus and love his church. And so part of that looks like being able to sacrifice the things that I think I would want to do for the sake of progress um, in the church and just knowing that man progress now looks like being present with them and I know that like we all want that like we all want uh, those things in our kids life but I just feel like even more now so I guess just more than ever like just feeling the urgency to have that with them because I will always be able to do ministry Lord willing like man I just think about when we're empty nesters not that I want to get there but man I better be busting it as an empty nester like pouring out for his kingdom because the kids have moved on whereas right now the ministry it is our kids and and I just want to live in what he's called us to in this season Yeah, so good. All right, y'all join us back in a few minutes for, well, really, in like a half a minute, for the next (laughs) section of the podcast. Okay, friends, you should 110% know that Nick and I are avid coffee drinkers and during this episode you may even hear us sipping on coffee and in our house we have recently made the switch to West Rock Coffee. Here's why. West Rock is a brand that's changing lives by providing coffee that you can be proud of, that you can feel grateful to have in your home. 
Their focus is to be a catalyst for real change in the lives of farmers and their families by paying a fair price for the coffee in their blends and offering farmers training to enhance the quality and the quantity of their crops. I don't know about you, but that sounds incredible. Give a farmer dignity and also teach them how to make more coffee is what I am here for. I love the coffee. I want the coffee, but I want to change the world when I buy the coffee. We believe that you are a world changer and your coffee should match. So when you purchase from Westrock, not only are you making a difference in the life of a farmer, but you're also getting really incredible coffee that I would like to tell you I stand beside and I'm a coffee critic. Here's the deal. You can get it so many different places. You can get it at Kroger or Bilo if either of those places are close to you or at my absolute favorite place on Amazon.com. You can prime that coffee straight to you and drink it and change the world with your coffee. good to be here. The middle section of this podcast is, is, is I'm not even going to say controversial. You know what word I'm going to say? Can you guess off the top of your head? No, keep going. Spicy. It's going to be a little spicy in the middle. These are a lot of the questions I've gotten for Nick specifically for you to handle. And okay. um, we're going to keep it quick and spicy. But if you are not in ministry, if you are not married, if you are married to a man who runs on mission, some of this is going to be for you. These are some of the more like spicy questions I've gotten for you. Okay. So hold on to your hat. I don't like spicy food, but I can deal with spicy questions. <laughs> okay. Women in ministry. Yes. It's it's been a thing for us. <laughs> a spicy thing. I mean, I don't this is what I've said, right? So you've listened to a lot of the podcast episodes. You know yeah. what I believe that Jesus said to Mary is go and tell. Yeah. Go and tell what you've seen me do. So I know that you do not feel, we do not feel any capacity or authority to like prescribe what we think is right for women in ministry oh, in any church yeah. or in any culture. But we have lived in a lot of different cultures and a lot of different churches. And you and I have ascribed to many different mm-hmm. ideologies mm-hmm. where it pertains to women mm-hmm. in ministry. Mm-hmm. And right now I would say you and I do not fall under any category. Correct. <laughs> yeah, which I think is a good thing. A lot of a lot of times people ask me if we're egalitarian or complementarian. If you do not know what those words are, you're they're good. actually the name of vitamins. <laughs> if you don't know like what so. those words are, don't stress. If you do know what those words are and they're very important to you, this may stress you out. Yeah, but it shouldn't because I, shouldn't. I I think I think when you gather with your family on Thanksgiving you know that everyone's coming from different backgrounds and different places, but right. the beauty in it is that we're all gathered around something greater than ourselves. And and I think that's part of the beauty or should be the beauty of the church is that we're willing and able to gather around something greater than ourselves and greater than what we think and greater than whether we're right or wrong. Yeah. So do I just go? Sh- yeah, just where's your like stance right now? Where do you stance. live? My stance is on my knees. So we have been a part of a lot of different amazing churches. And we actually were a part of, honestly, what kind of ripped the Band-Aid off was we were a part of a, a somewhat toxic environment. And I don't use that word lightly right. because I believe that the power of life and death is in the tongue. 
and actually the environment that we were a part of is is somewhat dead so i don't think that that rest on my tongue but just rest on what happened but the where, church died you yeah mean, yeah it, it, it just disintegrated yeah, yeah. and because I, of the toxicity. oh yeah it was just it, it imploded on itself and, and i think so when i say that i'm not saying that everyone listening right now you get to like now look inward and say oh my gosh me too my environment is really toxic so i don't want to say that lightly but for women in ministry i think we really just entered into a journey of what that looks like for us not as a means of policy i i just feel so hesitant to put policy on people because i do believe that people aren't policy and we can't be governed by policy we are image bearers and we are walking and trying to follow jesus the best that we can and when you try to put policy around that man it just did not go well for the religious leaders who were around jesus at the time and so i just want to feel i feel just super hesitant to put any kind of policy around things but when you look at god's word specifically at a place like luke 8 1 through 3 it's it's a place where jesus and luke by the power of the holy spirit they're just pausing in that moment and just letting people know that women had a place at the table when it came to the work and ministry of Jesus. And I think what did it for me is I was really wrestling through what Paul was saying in his letters and what Jesus had said. And I don't think that they were at odds. And all, all of a sudden one day I just got fed up and I was like, man, I just need to go back to the Great Commission. I need to go back to what Jesus said. And in that place in Matthew 28 and other places in scripture, that word teach is the same word that Paul uses when he's talking in his Timothy letters. And there's some more cultural things around what Paul said in his letters. And I really don't want to talk about it because I feel like that's when it just gets crazy. But at the core of who Jesus is and what he's called us to do, he's called us to be people who go and tell. He's called us to be people who go and share. And so for everyone listening, that just looks so different. It looks like somebody serving in a hospital. It looks like somebody serving with their children. It looks like someone maybe having a job in a nonprofit. It looks like maybe somebody going to work and working with, man, just people who are going through it. And I think whatever it looks like, wherever God's called us, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your gender is, is we are essentially go and tell people. And that's the call that God's put on our life is to be people who go and tell the work that Jesus has done in our hearts and the work that Jesus wants to do in other people's hearts. And so when you when you think about the mission of Jesus being simply that, it really cuts through all the politics and the, the red tape that people have sometimes. Uh, I don't know. I, I want Bright City to be a place where you can go and tell where, you know, Jolie, who teaches as well, like she can go and tell. She is such a gifted teacher. I just feel like she runs circles around my teaching. I want it to be a place where Glory, our daughter, can like grow up and, and steward the gifts that God's given her. And so I just that to us, that is such an important environment is to have the heart of the father as it pertains to women and men. Mm -hmm. uh, we just want it to be a place where both thrive. Okay, I'm gonna ask some spitfire questions. Let's do it. That may not be related. Okay. What would you say to a woman whose husband is not running on mission or who does not hmm. value that? Who does not value that call on? On his own life even. Oh, on his own life. Wow. Well, a few things. I feel like the first Peter three, where it's like, man, there's, you're going to live in such a way where one day the husband will look back and be able to just see what God was doing. And then number two, like, man, God's the only one that can change a heart. 
And our job is to pray into that. And our job is to live in such a way where lives and hearts around us want to actually change. But only God's the one that can change the heart. And I hope that doesn't leave you in a hopeless place. It should leave you in a hopeful place that whatever, that number one, the heavy lifting is off of uh, you. And number two, that man, when he does it, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be lasting and it's going to be something that nobody can control because when God really lights that fire, I mean, you can't put it out. Mm. I love the message version of that passage. It says, the same goes for you wives. Be good wives to your husbands, responsive to their needs. There are husbands who, indifferent as they are to any words about God, will be captivated by your life of holy beauty. So the only thing I would add there is that that is a tense line to walk to. Oh my gosh, yeah. And 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 we hold that with you to just say like that there is a lot of tension there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we talked about this even, oh, we didn't talk about this at our church on Sunday. I actually talked about this at a conference out that I was at last week. That one thing I had to learn, and thankfully for all of our marriage, I have been married to someone who does care about mission and who does pursue God. But if for some reason you, God forbid, decided you did not want to pursue mission or pursue the heart of God, that I would not believe that it would be submission for me to stop doing those things. Oh, yeah, you would keep doing and keep serving. being obedient to God is king. (laughs) Yeah, and I I think even like for, I mean, that was a a context of marriage, but for all women everywhere, golly, like y'all are married to him first and foremost, and so whatever happens after that is only to prepare us and make us more ready for that final moment of marriage with him and so this is not about us in marriage it's about you and him and it's about me and him and so that's the final picture and i think sometimes we put marriage on this pedestal and like oh man people who are married have a special place in the church and have a special place in ministry and have a special place in God's heart. And that is the furthest from the truth. Marriage is only meant to be one of the many tools that he uses to prep us to stand before him one day. And so I think no matter what it looks like, whether the context is marriage or the context is, man, someone in my marriage doesn't want me to be on mission or the context is I'm not married. What does it look like for me to be on mission? Can I do that? It all goes back to you are serving and living for one marriage, and that's Christ. Yeah. And and that's the picture that we need, and that's where we're heading. And so your final destination is not our marriage. Your final destination is your marriage with Him. And so I think it's just so important to keep that in perspective. And it doesn't mean that you live rude and reckless now. It just means that you live humbly doing what He's asked you to do because that's more important than, mm-hmm. than this, you know? Okay, one more question. What's been hard for you? Really genuinely, what's been hard for you about being married to a woman in ministry or okay. on a mission? People asked a lot of questions about like, is it hard for you? Is it hard for you when yeah. I travel? Is it yeah. hard for you that I write books? Is it, is it hard for you that I do church stuff too and that I don't just like stay with the kids all the time? So speak into that a little bit. No, I don't think there's any hard, heavy things. I think the hard things lie in the logistics. I think for me, the constant tension for me at least is, all right, where do I serve so you can? And where do I serve in what God's called me to? And so like honest answers are like, oh man, like is is today a day where I need to keep working up until five or six? Or is today a day where I need to be with the kids so you can keep going? Like when it came to like some of the book writing days, it's like today a day where I need to get church stuff done or is it today a day where I need to 
just be with our kids so that you can get your stuff done. And I think it's just a constant give and take and what that means. But I think the beauty of that is I'm still fulfilling my call because in Ephesians 5, my call is to serve. Yeah. In the Gospels, my call is to serve. And so whether I'm serving the kids or whether I'm serving you, I'm still fulfilling my calling. My call is to serve. My call is not to come and be served, but to serve. And I think when you keep that in mind, it really keeps everything in perspective. And the other thing I would say is just no matter what's happening in your life or my life or any of our lives, like Jesus is the one that's building that. And so if I'm with the kids, the beauty is that he's still building the church. That's right. If you're with the kids, the beauty is he's still building, go and tell gals right. are all good things. Like he's still at work even when we're not. I don't know if that answers your question as much as just like, hey, here's the things that run through my mind when we're walking through seasons like that is whether it's with the kids or with the church, my call is to serve. And no matter what I'm doing, when I do it, he's building the church, yeah. not me. And neither of us esteem either of those things more. Like we don't, you know what I'm saying? We really there genuinely are don't. many days where I'd rather be with our kids than be in the church. 100%. <laughs> for sure. And there's days where I'd rather be with the church stuff and our kids are going crazy. Yeah. I was at a conference this past weekend <laughs> teaching and it was an incredible conference and I was so grateful and God was moving. And right before I went on stage on Friday night, I looked at the, the pastor and said, my kids are going out to pizza right now. I'd really rather be with them. <laughs> Like, I love you, and I love God, and I love that God's going to move here in this church tonight, and I'd really rather be eating pizza with my kids. And he did, and he he moved in both places, you know, so yeah, it helps that we really don't esteem one or the other. All right, I've got two pastor wives question to end off this section with. Number one, um, your friend Kyle Carroll, hey Kyle, asked on social media, what are the top three struggles of pastoring a church with your wife? Be real honest. Yeah. There's the tension of doing what's right by you and doing what's right by the church. Like we, when we have staff meetings and you and I don't see eye to eye, the beauty in that is that we love him more than we love each other. Yeah. And so we're willing to like step into that and say, hey, I don't agree with you. Hey, I don't agree with you. And it's not a matter of you and it's not a matter of me. It's just we really want to do right by the church. And so that makes for tense moments with other people because we don't mean anything by it. And everybody else is like, uh, should we leave? If but it's If you're wondering if that means that we've gotten in a fight in a staff meeting, the answer heated is... Heated discussion. One, discussions. 100% we've had a heated discussion. And the, the last one, we had was was probably the most intense and you did we got home from the meeting and you and I wildly disagreed on on the plan and you're the pastor and you were holding the vision and I loved you enough to say like I don't think that's the way it should go yeah and we got home and and you said after we got done fighting you said I'm so glad we both love God enough to like to fight this out yeah to talk this out struggle just to walk the balance of leader pastor but also being a husband is hard i think too just because our church is in the season that we're in it makes things it's more of a like let's all show up and and do what we need to do and less of like okay you do this i do that and so i think it is hard to figure out black and white how do we use you and steward your gifts well Mm -hmm. and then he said three And so I'll try to think of one more. I feel like this one's out of our control, but I think the tension of knowing how to step into relational conflict. With other people. With other people. When I want to, protect is the wrong word, but when I want to like step in in a way to honor you and serve you, but then also needing to pastor the church, but then also 
wanting you to be able to handle any tension that you might need to handle sure. and not like run in and try to save the day, but also just like, well, we handle conflict in yeah, really different so ways, different ways. Yeah. And yeah. so that is a, always a dance. And so yeah. I would say those are the three things. Okay, good. Okay. That's going to be it for this section. Join us in the third and final installment of this Go and Tell House with Pastor Nick, where we're going to ask a bunch of random questions that are not related to any capacity, but they're things that people wanted to hear from you. Let's do it. Hey friends, in this break, I want to make sure that you have heard about Go and Tell Gals and our Go teams. Here's what they are. Go teams are our online coaching groups that go for about three months that provide women who want to step into their call with encouragement and equipping and resources and community. So you get nine coaching sessions over the period of three months and you get to walk with a group of women who are called to the similar things that you're called to. The Go and Tell Gals team spends all our time really just pouring out whatever resources we can gather and making sure you feel spurred on in whatever God's calling you to. We have Go teams for women in ministry. We have Go teams for women who are called to start small businesses, and we have Go teams for women who are interested in publishing. And our spring 2019 Go teams begin in January. So if you would like a spot, you need to run now and sign up. Go to goandtellgals.com and make sure you click on Go Teams to get more information. We would love to have you. All right, friends, third and final session of the Go and Tell Gals podcast with Pastor Nick. I have already warned him, this is not the only time he's going to join us. Really, I'm trying to talk him into... (laughs) Starting a podcast with me, so I would Let's like you it. to go to N Connolly on Instagram. It's the at symbol N Connolly, and just harass oh. him. Just tell him over and over again that you want him to start a podcast with me, and Let's maybe tell him names. Okay, Spitfire. These are all random. Yep. So if you're a woman, if you're a man, these are all these Let's are going to jump all around all different topics. How do you spend time with God, Nick Connolly? Wow. Okay. So I think it's a little more free flowing. Sometimes it's getting up before our kids get up. And sometimes it's in my exercise workout. Sometimes it's the quiet drive home. I think the the important thing is, especially when you have a lot of things going on, is to capture the moments where you don't have anything going on and just seize those moments because I think our natural tendency is like, okay, let me turn on something, let me call somebody, let me watch this, let me do that. And the reality is is it's an amazing moment just to pause. Logistically, I usually am am reading somewhere in his word and then I'm kind of journaling some thoughts and just trying to capture one thing. And then hopefully at some point in the day, I'm reading something that challenges me. Right now I'm reading letters to the church and oh my, it's doing some good things. And I'm also reading your nameless book, but I cannot say the name, name, but I'm reading that as well. Which means a lot to me. The paper copy. Yeah, you have the printed out paper copy. (laughs) Okay, this is a question I think I know the answer to, but I'd like to hear your answer to it. Are there things you decided you would not talk about on social media that you, like we decided as a couple that we would not share on social media? I think the bigger thing is not a list of what what we won't talk about, but is the list of what we will talk about. 
and I like the more and more I preach and the more and more I teach, I just like only want to talk about Jesus. Like I only want to talk about the work that he's done. I only want to talk about the power that's made available through the resurrection. I only want to talk about the love of the father towards us. And so I literally don't have a list of things that I want to not talk about. If that makes sense, I really just have one list and one thing that I really want to talk about. And that's like God's love and work and power and life that he has for us. That's good. As far as like things being off limits, what you may not know if you follow me on social media is that Nick reads a lot of my posts before I post them. I ask you to read a lot of them before I post them. Yeah, and sometimes I'm like, why you didn't you all, ask me to read you that? You always <laughs> say that. He's always like, I'm, you're fine. Post what you want. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, I just want to check. I just yeah. want to, especially if it's about you and especially if it's about our church. Mm. I would say we don't tell our kids stories for the most part. If we yeah. do, we kind of check with them. Yeah. That's their story to tell. I think what's really important about what you'll talk about and what you won't talk about is the timing. So I will talk about rough times in our life, and I will oh, even yeah. talk about rough parts of our marriage, but it's the timing. Yeah. I'm sure enough not going to post, like, real time, like, in a fight, this stinks, he's the XO, worst. XO, <laughs> And so I would say we, we wait for, like, healing to come before we share stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's that. What advice would you give to a couple that's not in vocational ministry but really wants to run on mission together? Okay. I would say, I know that you know this, and so I'm not saying this to correct anyone, but number one, you are in ministry, whether that's, I mean, the word vocation is just such a weird thing. We are all being paid by God. Like uh, one of the biggest lessons I learned during the recession is it doesn't matter where I work or who I work for. God is always the one cutting my check and I'm always working for him. So whether that's in the office or on a construction site or whatever, like I'm always working for him. And so I think number one, just seeing yourself, like when you wake up in the morning, you are on mission to represent him and shine brightly for the people around you. And then the other thing I would always say is I I would, I would say you need to care more about the person than the outcome of that person's life. And what I mean by that is I think we need to be people who would simply love people, even if that means them not crossing the line of faith. And even if that means them not coming to our church. And I think a lot of times we, especially in the church and especially in the South, every relationship seems like some sort of Ponzi scheme to get them into your church and to get the attendance up and to get the numbers padded. And I think at the end of the day, people are people and we're called to simply love people where they are for as long as they're in that season. And it is not meant for conversion into our system and our structure, but it is meant to just simply love people even if they don't cross the line of faith and even if it doesn't mean them coming to our church. I think a lot of times I'll ask our people is, are you willing to love people even if that means them going to another church? And I just don't think that we have that mentality sometimes. That's good. By the nature of marriage Mm -hmm. and being in ministry together, but even if you're not ministry together, this is just marriage. We have to critique each other a little bit sometimes. Okay. We have to, like, critique is just the wrong word. Yeah. Like, we have to call each other up. We have to, mm-hmm. even even I would call, encourage one another. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? What has been okay about it? How have I done it wrong? How does it work for you? I will say this is answers two questions with one. I'll start. Everybody was asking what Enneagram number Nick is. He's a number one on the Enneagram. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. Check out the Enneagram Institute if you have no idea what we're talking about. 
So what is interesting to me that I'll just tell people because you won't tell people this is that Enneagram ones are typically full of critique. They are very concerned with right and wrong and you do not critique me at all. He's a one wing two, which means two is the helper. And so I even told you a few weeks ago, I said, it's really interesting that your two comes out so strong with me and mm-hmm. not your one. Mm-hmm. You critique me in silly ways, how to load the grocery cart, but even you've gotten better at that. I think it's more of the Tetris game that I love playing <laughs> in the grocery cart. How Nick's Enneagram one comes out is that when we go grocery shopping, when I, he, what he used to do. I want to, to do, teach you things and like teaching. Yeah, he like wants I love to, to teach. teach. So he, what he used to do is when I would load the grocery cart, he would like behind me reload it and make it fit better, which if you are not an Enneagram eight, which I am, and Enneagram eights do not like to be controlled, it, oh, yeah. it would make me irate. And I'd be like, why are you doing that? I'm just having fun. I got to right. be at Trader Joe's and doing something. I'm packing the grocery cart to the glory of God. But I have, done a, I have done a lot wrong in our in our life. <laughs> and you have had to either tell me or like somehow subtly let me know, or at least like be a mirror to me once I've realized that I'm wrong. And I've had to do the same for you because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like it's just you and me out here. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So if I feel like if you're making a huge misstep, I've had mm-hmm. to tell you what's been good about that, what's been bad about it, what's worked, what hasn't worked. I think the one thing that I do value is that I do feel like it's not a lot of little things, but it's usually like, hey, you're about to fall off the cliff. And so I feel like that's helpful. Not that anybody wants to be told that they're about to fall off a cliff, but I feel like everybody should want to be told that you're about to fall off a cliff or like, hey, that's not what you want to do. I don't think that's how you want to say it. And so I do feel like it's not a lot of little things that add up. It's usually like a big thing. I would say too, like just being able to not use the word as a weapon. But just being able to like stay grounded in the word, I feel like one of the job descriptions that just speaking again to husbands, but this is really for all of us is a husband's job is to wash with the word. And I just feel like you're, you know, we're not out there like pressure washing everything in life where we're supposed to like gently and delicately wash each other with the word. And so in any relationship that you're in, it's not using it as a weapon. Just be like, hey man, or hey you, hey whoever. Hey man. (laughs) Just say hey man as like a hey. I feel like you're missing the heart of God in this moment. And I feel like that's really essentially what it is. It's not about the right theology and it's not about the right belief and it's not about the right way of life. It's about missing the heart of God. And I feel like that's what really should be the heart in everything. I think when my my one tends to come out more in like overarching reform of major things. Yeah. It's like, man, I just want to see good done in the world. Yeah. And I want to do whatever I can to be a part of that. And so I think that's just a little different bin for me and I've learned to like take those things with a grain of sand uh for one I notice you say things a lot like our house is great I love our house but sometimes you'll be like man everything's breaking in here and I'm like okay everything's not breaking but like (laughs) I've learned to not freak out we're all gonna die (laughs) yeah you'll say like or you'll just you'll point out three things that are breaking at once and to me that would used to be really discouraging and now I'm like Oh, he just notices right and wrong. Oh, it's man. Okay. I see the imperfection, but I'm like, all right, what do we got to do to fix it? Yeah. I don't, I'm not just walking around going like, oh, that stinks. That's not good. That's that's horrible. I'm like in everything, even like at our kids' school, I'll see something. I'm like, oh, man, that's not right. And I'm like, okay, how do I like right. quit my job and become a teacher? Like yeah. that's just, it. it's like a bad, horrible thing, but also like a good thing. You probably know the passage, Matthew 28. I think it's either 28 or 25 about not putting nooses around each other's necks. And I think there's a lot to say for critiquing without carrying. Oh, yeah. And when you and I do have to critique each other, it's us saying like, I, I see this 
broken thing or you're about to fall off a cliff, but like I want to jump you. with you. Yeah, I'm here with <laughs> you. Like I want to, yeah. you get to share my parachute. So yeah. if I'm willing to to point out something, I'm saying like I'm gonna help, and that helps a ton. I think you and I have found a lot of value in the phrase like you might be right. <laughs> a lot of times, yeah. if I don't think you're you might right, be right, if I think you're really wrong, I'll say yeah. like you might be right, or I'll say like that's interesting. Okay. Or a lot of times... Which are all phrases that I've picked up on. I'm like, oh, good. Yeah, but but at least I'm not saying, like, you're dead. And same, you do the same to me. Or you'll say, like, huh, if I I critique you about something and you don't think I'm right, you'll say, like, I'll pray about that. Yeah. Like, And I know you genuinely will. Like, you'll ask God, like, do I need to see that? So I don't subscribe to a marriage where, like, we don't get to say, like, ouch, that hurts. Yeah. Or, like, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head with the, the... caring and offering critique but also like carrying that with someone i feel like one of the things that that social media has done to our culture is it just allows us to like come on a mass media platform and just critique left and right and sometimes people use the word like oh man i'm just defending truth or i'm just defending this or like trying to hold people to god's standard but the word was written for people to be rooted in community and so when paul is correcting or gently reminding people who they are it's always with the intent of like hey i am in this with you I am serving this in this church with you. I am a part of this church with you. I am a part of this community with you. We are all in this together. So when I see that this is going awry in you or when I see that you're you're struggling in this, it is me pointing it out, but it's also me being the person that's going to help you carry that. And I just feel like we miss that sometimes. There is such an amazing, beautiful opportunity for the church to be the people that say, hey, that's not who God's made you to be. And I'm here for the long haul yeah. to help you be that. And worth noting too, you and I do not receive criticism of people who aren't willing to work, walk with us. Yeah, and we don't. We just hard. don't receive it. You will not have a meeting with someone if you know they're bringing a critique, but they aren't like Investor, on your team yeah, or are going to yeah, walk with you. Like yeah. if you're on our team, if you love us, if we're friends, if we're family, and that doesn't mean like if you believe blindly in everything that we do. No, it's, it's me saying, I need you to help me get to where God's called me to. Yeah. And if you're not willing to help me get there, then you can't just say this and let the door hit you on the way out. You need to help me walk into that. And yeah. I just don't think people are willing to do that sometimes. Yeah. yeah, you won't even take that meeting. And same, it's the same reason why I, an Amazon review is not going to make me lose my mind. Because, <laughs> like, the person who tells me... we, we Nick and I actually mm-hmm. right now have an internet troll who's been coming first for me and then for you every time I block her. Oh, yeah. And I say troll not as a, like, derogatory... Like, I think she's probably a human person who needs Jesus. But yeah. she keeps critiquing me and keeps critique but i'm like we we don't carry this we don't hold this you don't you actually literally do not know us yeah but if you know us and you love us and you walk with us like you you get to speak into everything and we'll hear it absolutely yeah okay last question let's do it how do you stay inspired how do you stay awake how do you stay alive in god i would say that this season has not been a heavy inspirational like alive seeing things in living color And I think that there's some good in that. And there's also some like hard things in that. And I think there's some, some good in that because I think there's a lot of amazing things in life that inspire you and and point you back to the Lord. And I think sometimes there's just those seasons that you don't need the things of God. You need actual God. And I think this is just one of those seasons where I'm like, man, I think there's beauty all around me, but right now I just need to be at the feet of Jesus. 
and I think I'm in that season, but I, I love to travel. Like I don't get to do it a lot, but I love other countries. I love other nationalities. I love seeing how other people do church I, outside of the US. I just, I love seeing how other places in the world are gathering around the name of Jesus. I love big cities. We live in Charleston and Charleston's kind of like a got you fooled big city. Like it's very tiny, but it feels a little bit of an urban kind of vibe. But I love being around big cities. I love listening and taking in when people are really good at something. So whether that's good music or good food or people are just really good at what they do. Like, I just love being in awe of that. I just think it's an amazing thing. And so I think those are all things that I love. And then also I would just say, I love being alone. Like, not like, <laughs> not like leave me alone every day, yeah. but I just, there is just something beautiful about being able to like get away and just like hear what God has to say. And he, it has been a season where I don't feel like he has like audibly said a lot of things to me or there's been like a ton of inspiration, but I still just love that practice. Like I love yeah. just getting away because I think we're all one moment away from a burning bush. Right. And I just want to keep pressing in because you never know when that bush is coming. And I just want to be there when it starts to burn. Come on. I think the most, the biggest thing I'm taking away is like, you got to know how you hear from God. Oh, and yeah. you got to know what's inspiring to you. And you got to do it. And I do, I do know that you are very good about making those practices happen. And I'm thankful. Mm, thank you. Okay, friends, this is not the last time you'll be hearing from Nick Connolly. As always, will you do me a favor? Will you stop right now and will you pray for my husband? Will you thank God for him and will you ask God for vision? My favorite prayer to pray for Nick is give him favor, give him fervor, and guide his steps. You can join me in praying that for him today. Give him favor, give him fervor, and guide his steps. And um, also, go harass him on Instagram and <laughs> tell him to start another podcast with me. Okay? Let's do it. Can Go I say? Ahead. Can I say something? Yes, we'll let you. Okay. <laughs> um, I I have no idea who all of you are, but I just know that like God has a place for you in His kingdom, and He has a place for you in His church. And I know, especially at this day and age in our time and culture, everything around you could point to chaos, and could point to conflict, and could point to you wanting to give up. But just keep going. Don't quit. Keep doing the thing that God's called you to. It might not be ministry. It might be a relationship. It might be a marriage. It might be a discouragement with your family. It might be a discouragement with your calling. It might be a discouragement with where you are in life. No matter what it is or where you are in life, just keep going. And I know that if you do not give up, you will see the harvest. That's, That's right. not my words. That's Galatians 6, 9. So That's right. take it to the bank. Thank you guys. Love you so much. Thanks so much for joining me, you guys, on this special podcast episode with my husband, Nick Connolly. You can follow him at nconnolly on Instagram. That will make him wildly uncomfortable, but you know what? He has so many wise things to say, and I would love if you would follow him. You can follow our church at Bright City Church on Instagram, and he's always sharing content and information over there. Pray for him. Pray for our church. Pray for his leadership and his vision that God would continue to give him faith give him fervor and guide his steps and harass him and tell him you want more episodes with Nick Connolly because I sure do. It was so fun to sit with him for an hour and talk and chat. 
We pray you are having an incredible holiday season. We are so thankful for this podcast. We are so thankful for Go and Tell Gals and all that God is doing in and through y'all and this time and this season of the kingdom and women really taking their place and getting excited about what God is doing in their lives. We are so thankful to serve you and to be on your team. Oh, 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 o